Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24. He's based in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and that's pretty close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. Today, my friend AJ, we have to talk about goalies. Uh, there's one guy who's making a reputation for himself and a bad one at that, and I'm talking about Aaron Dell. For the second time this season, he's been involved in an incident where he's taken a, an opportunity to hit an opposing player, and this time he injured Ottawa Senators star right wing Drake Batherson. The news came out just before we went to air today that he will be sidelined for up to two months with a high ankle sprain and uh, what a shame because this guy clearly was having an outstanding season. He's not a dirty player, AJ, but Aaron Dell is certainly carving a reputation for some questionable behavior of his own. He's got suspended for three games before the severity of this injury came out. What do you think? Well, you know, I, it's so hard, right? Because there's obviously part of me that's like, well, eye for an eye, man, right? Like if this guy is going to be out for two months, you heard him, like you should be out for two months. Um <laughs> But obviously, that's that's not realistic. It's just not the way things can work. I mean, there'd be so many disputes about that. Um, you, you'd honestly, you'd have to negotiate that in the next like CBA, which the players are never going to agree to. So, like, it's just not going to happen. When you consider the fact that he has no suspension history, like, I don't think you can. They would have been able to get away with doing like a six game, you know, because they have to have the in-person meeting and everything for the sixth game. And then of course it would have gotten appealed and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I just, three feels appropriate as much as it still seems like really unbalanced and unfair. You've got a guy headed to his first NHL all-star game, young player going to be out for two months now. And then you have this other guy who's for lack of a better way to describe it, has been a terrible goalie this season, like takes him out on a bad play in a game where he's probably just upset that he was getting blown out, right? Because they were getting killed in that game. And so it's like, I, I feel for Batherson, and part of me wants a longer suspension, but when you really think about it, like dispassionately, like three games feels appropriate. Well, I I think their hands are tied. You make a good point in terms of, you know, are you expecting the goalie gets suspended for two months? But really, the penalty needs to be a little more severe than the three games, in my opinion, to send a very loud message that we don't that want this kind of history repeating. And it goes uh, against my grain, too, because the NHL has done every everything to try and protect goalies from from players who wander into their area. This guy was outside his crease and moved kind of coyly in order to... to this to really upset Batherson while he was skating and not expecting the play. So kind of a, like a, a cheap wrestling move, I'll, I'll call it. And and look what it does. It takes a young sniper out of the Ottawa lineup for the next two weeks and a guy who was deprived now of his first all-star appearance. And that's the toughest and un, unkindest part of this thing that I see uh, going forward. AJ, we also have the, the I'll, I'll throw this out at you and I don't want to go through the roster, but, we have seen the names of the NHL, I mean, sorry, the Canadian Olympic teams come, come out. And uh, there's some players that have some ties to the NHL. We talked about Eric Stahl uh, last week and, and wondered aloud, is this guy going to be, what kind of a role do we see with this guy uh, going forward? He's a 37-year-old player, 
the only elderly guy on this team. <laughs> I, I'll say it's a, it's a lot of a younger guys. Josh Hosang is a guy who's uh, excited people here in the Toronto area with his performance with the Marlies. Kind of a grab bag of, of players. I don't know if you've got a chance to look at it or, by the same token, if you are aware of the U.S., the makeup of the U.S. team. But it's going to be an intriguing mix, I think, on the Canadian side. you care to comment on on how they've gone about to build these teams in the absence of NHL players? Yeah, I mean, I, I do like the fact that they've, you know, they haven't just completely gone without NHL experience, um, you know, that they've done the best they can with what's available. And I, I think so from like a U.S. point of view, I think they did a good job grabbing, you know, some younger guys. You've got, you know, Jake Sanderson's on that team. Um there, there's a couple other names that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but they, I, th- I thought they did a good job of getting some younger guys, but also mixing in some more established veterans that I think uh, can offer, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, veteran presence, you know, an all young team. If you went all young, all like college guys, they're going to get smoked playing over there. You know, the, most of the Russian team plays in the KHL. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it would just be really tough. So I, I do like the kind of mix and bringing in a guy like Stahl who, you know, Eric Stahl is probably in fit enough condition to play for a month, right? That's all they're asking him to do, you know. I'm sure he kept himself fit and everything. So I, I love the the addition of Stahl. I don't know that it's going to turn into, you know, whether or not it'll turn into anything on the back end, like a Justin Williams signing late in the season or whatever. But, um, you know, if he just goes for a month, uh, you know, veteran leadership on this team, I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good choice. Well, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Can I ask you a soccer question? We never talked soccer yet, but uh, on this. Every video, day, Paul, you can ask me a soccer question. Listen, I'm fine with that. Listen, Canada plays the Honduras tonight. The Canadian club is shocking the, the world by being atop the standings in CONCACAF. There's so much excitement north of the border. And we have a game coming up against the United States, too, here that that will likely tell the tale in terms of who wins the whole division and qualifies number one from the group. I think Canada's got a chance to advance, but a critical piece is winning in Honduras. The last time they went down there, they got killed 8-1. to one in one of the most disgraceful exhibitions of Canadian soccer I've ever seen. I tune into these games because... I was going to say, that you've ever seen, Paul, that's got to be what? One of like one game, two games? You one, of to, about, uh... one of about 30. <laughs> it's not it's not reams and reams, AJ, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's still logged in the memory bank as one of the most disgraceful representations of any Canadian team on any level in any sport. And I know Honduras is at the bottom of our table right now, See that I even use the terminology correctly. I know I'm impressed, Paul. <laughs> and so that, that that game looms large tonight in terms of the uh, chances for the Canadian club. The U.S. I think you have to say it's been a little bit of a disappointment so far that they haven't they aren't at the top of the table right now. But care to comment on that? Well, if you lose eight to one to Honduras, you should immediately just act like deport all of those Canadian players, like. <laughs> This team has zero wins in eight uh, matches in this round. Like, no, you should not lose. They're gold. They've scored five goals in eight matches. Like, if you lose, just kick everybody out and get a new team. All right. Um, so, you know, the U.S. has Panama. They're a little bit harder yeah. here to go. Um, you know, 
but I, I think I think it'll be a battle for for who gets the last spot, and it could come down. You know, it's not the last game, but that January thirtieth game between the two clubs could be a real key. But obviously, yeah. Mexico is not out of it yet. Um, they still have at least one game. I don't. I think they've played both games against Canada, but they still have one game yes. against the U.S. left. So um, it'll be close to see who finishes up top. Well, I'm all over it, pal. So if you need, to, if we want to do a, a, a pod on the Concacaf thing, you can call me up and, and I'll I'll uh, try and pull my weight. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds but, great. But with that, uh, partner, let's get back to my, our bread and butter and talk hockey. It's my turn to bat lead off, and uh, take we take the usual deep dive here. So I'll dig in with Anaheim, and I got a good look at this club last night as they played the Maple Leafs. Uh, they're on a, a road trip through the Atlantic Division. They won games in Tampa and Boston before they arrived in Toronto. So they've acquitted themselves quite well, picking up five points in those three games. But I'll tell you what, last night was a, like a leaf practice. They barely allowed Anaheim to touch the puck, and uh, the shots on goal readily skewed at Toronto's favor. And uh, that means that John Gibson must be doing great things, and he certainly is. He pulled off some great saves last night, and I watched the other two games. He's been doing that, so he's on top of his game. He picked up two wins last week uh, and seven total goals against uh, against a barrage of shots from all three teams. Derek Grant is a guy who's picked up some offense for this club of late, three goals but in the past week, but he's day-to-day now with a lower body injury. Vinny Lettieri is kind of reviving his career a little bit with a nice spurt, most recently picked up three points. But uh, the injury bug has crept up and bit this team again and taking away Sonny Milano, who's out of the lineup with an upper body hurt, he'll be missing for the next couple of weeks. Good news in the offing, though, is that Anthony Stolarz cleared COVID protocol, and so he'll be sharing the goalie load with Gibson again. And Adam Henrique, who's been out with a lower body injury since December the 6th, is expected to be back on Saturday. So while they've loaded up the top line, and I really like the look of that with Getzlaff centering the Trevor Zegras on one side and Troy Terry on the other. That's a very nice-looking line, and the number two unit is pretty good, too, with Rickard Raquel and Jacob Silverberg, two veteran forwards. They're being centered by Isaac Lundstrom. He's a guy that I say is a player to watch, and I'm going to be highlighting a few players to watch here, AJ, and maybe you can do the same as we go through the rest of the clubs here today. Yeah, well, you know, in Arizona, I think the thing to watch is who's going to leave, uh, right? Obviously, um, you know, they, you look at their roster, they have one, two, three, four, five, six. They have six, seven, if you include a guy on IR. They have seven players on their current roster who are signed beyond next season or beyond this season, rather. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're talking about like an entire fire sale could be had here. And they already have eight draft picks in the first two rounds of 2022. So, I mean, Phil Kessel obviously is going to draw a lot of interest. Uh, They've said, I've seen recently that they're not going to trade Larson Krause. Um, He's an RFA. So they're a little less pressure to do that. You have to imagine they'd want to keep Christian Fisher. Like both those guys are are 24 years old, but you know, uh, does Anton Strollman have some appeal on the market to a team that needs some defensive boosting? I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's clamoring over their goalies. Um, Ryan Zingle maybe would offer some appeal. Um, so really, I think that's the biggest thing to watch with this team is who gets sold off and who gets sent away. And then, you know, the other thing that just came out today, Paul, I'm not sure if you saw this, 
But the, the Arizona is talking about they've had all these problems with the stadium situation. Yeah. And they're talking about moving into the collegiate team's stadium for like three years. Yeah. And last I saw, that has a capacity of 5,000 people. Like, I guess they don't have to worry about not having sellouts. Although with how bad this team has been, I'm not sure they could sell 5,000 tickets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we could talk about what they've done on the ice and, and everything, but there's so much other stuff going on with this club right now. It just feels important to kind of talk about that. And then, you know, like I said, just watch and see who gets sold off because they're definitely not buyers. Um, and they've, they've got a ton of rentals that they can ship out uh, to other teams. No question. As we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll be focusing on a lot of those names too, AJ. So good for you for bringing up the off-ice stuff because there's a couple of teams we'll talk about off-ice issues as well today, I'm sure. The Boston Bruins are a team that's closed the gap on the big three, I used to call them, in the Atlantic Division this season. But they've closed in on the Maple Leafs and uh, with a 2-1-1 and record this past week, putting the heat on the blue and white as well as Tampa and Florida to uh, keep going, doing what they're doing atop this division. David Pasternak leading the charge with four goals and two helpers last week, just continuing a fine run of play since the turn of the calendar. Charlie Coyle uh, picked up three points, and I'll get a, another note in about him shortly. Jake DeBrusque is uh, also trying to find his way and get back into the good, book, good books of the coaching staff. He was a guy that was in the Chateau Bow Wow for quite a while here earlier this season. And Eric Halla is also a guy who will be mentioned in a minute. He's picked up three points as well. As uh, the the thing about those two, Coyle and Bahala, is they've flip flop roles. Coyle had the second line center role. Now he now has ceded that to Halla, and that's an important consideration when you factor in the 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 news that David Pasternak is on the right wing on that particular unit and thriving there. Of course, Marchand and Bergeron continue to do their bit. Troubling news though is Mike Nick Felino is out of the lineup with an upper body injury. This this guy. He signed for big bucks here in the offseason, and I thought he was going to be a key player. They gave him an A as well on the sweater, AJ, and uh, he really hasn't been able to put together a lot of games without uh, being challenged by injury and other issues in his first time, first year in Boston. Also uh, on the sideline, Trent Frederick is out with an upper body injury still, and that's given Oscar Steen a role on the right wing. But he's not the guy that they want there. Ultimately, they got to get Felino and Frederick back and healthy. Another note, Tuka Rask has played four games for this club, and the early returns are not very positive. 4.29 goals against average, 844 save percentage. I guess they're hoping that more reps will get him back in the group, but uh, I'm not impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, speaking of not impressed, you know, we mentioned Aaron Dell and, and his issues here. Buffalo went one and two this last week. Um, and it's really, you know, some of it is just completely poor timing. Like, I'm sure that didn't go into his the, his head on the play. And, you know, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't trying to injure Patherson, you know, just trying to get a piece of him going around the edge. But now they're down to Michael Hauser as like their only healthy goalie on the roster right now. It sounds like Craig Anderson and or Justin Tokarski might be ready to back up uh, on Saturday, um, but that's not even guaranteed. And they signed Michael Hauser to an NHL deal like a, a couple weeks ago because they were in this goalie situation. Um, so, yeah, now for his part, Hauser has come in strong, two wins and two appearances uh, and faced a lot of puck pressure. It's not like they he had this like defensively stout team in front of him that limited shots. 
And we faced 44 shots in the first game, 33 in the second. So, you know, props to him on, on stepping up here. You know, offensively, they're still getting contributions from the guys that, that they need him to. Tage Thompson, two goals, two assists. Just Skinner, a pair of goals in those three games. Uh, Peyton Craves picked up two goals. Uh, Dalim with four points. Like, he's been easily their best player uh, this season, in, in my opinion. And so, you know, some of the guys that they need production from are doing it, and they do have this kind of next man up, you know, perception here, but they're just not deep enough. You know, you can't just rely on Thompson, Skinner, and Darlene to score and hope that it's enough. So I, I really um, would expect them to maybe sell some pieces here as we head towards the deadline. Um, and, and you know, Alex Tuck is probably, you know, you mentioned Paul, players to watch. He's definitely the best option here. You know, let's be clear, he's still kind of just getting back to full bore. He's only played 10 games for them this season, but he's got 10 points in those in those contests, and I would expect him to continue to produce here. And one thing about him that I'll add is in our Champions League format and maybe others out there, he's been given access to all three forward positions and qualified. So that makes him extremely valuable in the format that I'm, in, I'm involved with. And I think you're in a similar league, AJ. So good value there uh, in terms of his flexibility. And in Carolina, this team continues to rock and roll. They went two and one last week. Freddie Anderson, two more wins to his ledger, despite giving up six goals against uh, the story is they're they're flying high and mighty behind Sebastian Ajo, who's, Ajo, who's having an outstanding campaign, picked up five points, and he's been reunited with Toivo Teravainen. and he's on a tear, too, with seven points in his last seven games played. And that's part of the formula for success here. But they also really benefited from a couple of things. Seth Jarvis is, is really enjoying a breakout stretch here and uh, fitting in very nicely um, in the forward ranks and has 17 points to his name already uh, in a, in 30 games played. And he's rapidly rising on the rookie league scorers. So maybe we'll hear something about him at the end of the year if he continues at this rate uh, in contention for the rookie award, possibly. But uh, a lot of other names are contributing here. Vinny Trocek playing great at center uh, in a second-line role. Two goals, two helpers last weekend. Svechnikov picking up six points on his right wing. So the second line is humming along, too. And when you got two prominent scoring lines in 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 good shape uh, that's great news but uh, Anthony D'Angelo we have not said a negative word about this guy this year AJ and he just continues to pile up the points he picked up five more last week and that's another big part of the success of this team they have no fewer than three credible scoring options from the back end uh, Jacob Slavin picked up the Lady Bing last year and uh, he's con- ter- continued to to thrive in, in Carolina with a decent scoring total and, and a shutdown ability at the other end. So very valuable defenseman in, in him and a partner for D'Angelo. And then Brady Shea all of a sudden has caught fire offensively too, a guy with good wheels and, and a good hockey sense. And so that gives them three quality offensive pieces. And you round it out with Brett Pesci, another solid uh, top four type defenseman. And that's a great, great uh, core that they have developed in Carolina. It's no wonder they're near the top of the league. In Calgary, uh, things have been going uh, extremely well of late. They've got the offense firing on all cylinders, especially their top line. Um, For the month of January, Matthew Chichuk is averaging over two points per game. In fact, just this last week, uh, he in their three games, Chichuk had three goals, six assists. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau with eight points in those three games. Noah Hannafin with four. Elias Lindholm, two goals. 
and one assist. So their top guys are producing at an astronomical uh, level right now. They're getting really good goaltending too out of out of Markstrom here. Um, you know, he had uh, in those three games had two wins, one loss, a nine three two on the the save percentage there, and that includes a shutout performance uh, just last night. And so, you know, Calgary really looks. You know, yeah, you look immediately at the standings, you see that they're in fourth. But when you dive into this a little more, first thing to note is they've only played 38 games. That's five fewer uh, than than Los Angeles, who's only two points ahead of them. You know, it's it's five fewer than Vegas. And if they won all five of those games, they'd actually be ahead of Vegas in the standings. So, I mean, this is a top three team for sure right now. And the other really uh, there's like two other things that are really of note here they have the best goal differential in the pacific division at plus 32 um so they're they're like i said they're scoring and and getting great goaltending and then they've only played 14 home games they actually have as many away wins 14 as they do total home games played because of you know covid cancellations and all that so not only do they have games in hand but they have home games in hand so uh this is a team that's going to be I think at this point, they look like they're going to be in the mix for the top of the Pacific here, uh, at least pushing, you know, Vegas uh, for, for that top spot right now. In Chicago, the Hawks went one, two and one last week. And AJ, the biggest development for me is that Dylan Strom is getting a run as a top six forward finally. And uh, he's taken full advantage of it. He's produced four goals and two assists last week. They've split up to Brinkett and Kane, but it didn't stop them each from producing to bring that with four points last week and came with three. So that's good news too. Brendan Hagel is a guy that's picked up the slack by flipping positions with Kane, picked up three points. So the top six is looking really good for, for Chicago. And I want uh, listeners to keep an eye on Sam Lafferty, a guy that you got to look at as a former Penguin. He's now given the, the right wing role in the second line beside Taves and Debrinkat on what looks like a very interesting combination of players here and could thrive. And uh, with Strom looking good with Kane and Hagel, like I said, that's a great looking top six to me. In the Nets, they got uh, they got some issues there because Kevin Lankinen will miss a couple of weeks with a hand injury and is replaced by Colin D'Elia, who had a look at the big leagues last year with um, very little success. So a lot of pressure on Marc-Andre Fleury to keep doing what he's doing to keep this team afloat. For the Blue Jackets, a, a one in three week, um, which really shouldn't come as a surprise when you consider, you know, really their their offensive struggles uh, throughout the season. Really, they have been, you know, towards the bottom of, of um, you know goal, goals per game and uh, for for a lot of the season, and so they're not getting particularly strong net minding either right now. Uh, you know, in his one appearance this last week, Jonas Corposalo. Gave up four goals on 30 shots. Um, that's a sub-900 save percentage. Elvis Merz-Lickens was a, a 9-3-0 on the save percentage in his three appearances. So the goaltending's not there. The offense isn't there. And they're going to lose one of their better players here, at least uh, for um, you know a, a couple of games. Alex Texier suffered a hand injury. He should be out probably through the All-Star break. Um, you know, he was struggling of late. He had pre- he had missed four games previously and had just one assist from coming back. But before that, when you go all the way back to late December, um, he was off to a really strong start to the year. 
had several multi-point games uh, over that stretch. So, you know, a, a very good start to the year, kind of derailed by that that first four-game absence. And then, uh, you know, that was related to COVID-19 and then comes back, struggles to really produce, and now has this injury that's going to keep him out for a couple games. So uh, kind of bad news for an already struggling team. Well, we can't call Colorado a struggling team this year at all. They are currently on an eight-game win streak. Uh, Darcy Kemper fitting right right in, uh, running things in the nets now with three more wins to his ledger with six goals against last week in total. Nate McKinnon with three assists last week and into last night before he suffered a facial injury. We haven't really got a conclusion on what happened there. I saw the incident, AJ, where he, he was involved in a check where his own stick was wound up being pressed against his face and clearly did a lot of damage. There was a lot of blood on the ice, so I would imagine a broken nose was part of the deal, possibly, but uh, no word in terms of the extent of the hurt. He did miss the rest of the game. It happened on his first shift of, play, of the play in the game against Boston last night. Miko Rantanen didn't miss a beat last week with three more points to his record. Ditto for Gabe Landeskog with four. They'll be tasked with running the show here if McKinnon is injured at all, and it could result in Nazem Kadri moving up to play with them, and that might make a second-line center really a, an important consideration. And right now, Alex Newhook could get that, that role. He's listed as third-line center at the moment, so you'd expect him to move up. Curiously, though, Tyson Yost, I, start, I was digging around thinking, what's happened to him? He's now relegated to right wing on the fourth line duty. If that's not a signal that this guy's career is in trouble, at least in terms of continuing in Colorado, I don't know what else to tell you because everything else is good news here among the forward and defense ranks and in the nets. So uh, he's got to take a look in the mirror saying, do I want to be a part of this juggernaut or what do I need to do to pull my socks? But that's the lingering question right now for him. In, uh, in Dallas, a four-game win streak for them on the back of, of Braden Holpe with, with three of those victories. Um, again, similar to, to Calgary right now, um, really rolling, you know, Rupe Hintz, four goals, four assists, Pavelski with eight points, Robertson with seven points. Um, so Dallas looking really, really strong right now, which is honestly going to complicate things for them as we get closer and closer to the deadline because for a while there, it looked like, you know, we're potentially going to see uh, them be strong sellers here heading into the the break. But Brayden Holpe, whose name has been linked as a possible trade piece, you know, he's having a good season. He's on just a one-year deal. So if Dallas is out of it, do they move him? Um, you know, he's obviously not their goaltender of the future, just based on it, on his age. They do have some concerns right now. Um you know, uh, FAXA is dealing with a non-COVID illness. They've got uh, Jacob Pedersen had a positive test, but then two negatives. So they're not really sure where his status stands. John Klingberg has an upper injury. But as of now, none of these are reported to be long-term injuries. So hopefully um, they won't miss too much time. But um, yeah, all, all signs pointing up suddenly for Dallas after having previously kind of been thought of as you know, a, a selling team. You look at the standings; they're they're seven points back from fifth. So it's going to take a, a, a stretch of wins here to get back in the mix. But uh, they're certainly showing they've got some fight left in them. Yeah, and Detroit for a while had had dreams of participating in a in a race or a playoff spot in the in the Atlanta division. But I think with Boston's recent surge, you can say you can book it. That we know the four teams that are going to get out of this group, but that's not to say that there, there aren't encouraging signs in Detroit, despite going on two last week, Robbie Fabry is caught, caught fire a little bit with five points in his last five games, 
played now listed as right wing on the second line. That's because they reconfigured the units a little bit. Dylan Larkin and, T- and Tyler Bertuzzi have been split up. They've both continued to score like crazy. Bertuzzi picking up six points last week. But Pius Sutter could be a guy that, that benefits from Bertuzzi dropping down to the second unit. And then news in the, in the offing is that right wing Jakob Vrana is finally almost on the verge of rejoining this club and making his season debut. He was acquired in a deal last year, the trade deadline, if you'll recall, AJ, and uh, has was thought to be a fixture in the top six here. But uh, his start has been delayed because of a shoulder surgery in the offseason, and he's slated to debut. Uh, he'll get a top six role as soon as he does. Sometime in February, we'll watch for that. Other good news from the infirmary is that Thomas Grice, their, uh, their experienced goalie, I'll say, beside Alex Nedeljkovic. He's coming out of COVID protocols, so they're they're going to have a better structure and better depth in the net. So as soon as Grice comes back, he was a guy that performed heroically last year for the Wings in the face of a lot of rubber and uh, figured to have an easier time this year, but he's had a bit of a run with injuries and COVID this season so far. For the Oilers, if you need proof that, that two guys alone can't, you know, completely carry a team, especially when neither one of them is a netminder, you look at the fact that while they were without Ryan Nugent Hopkins in six games that he was absent, they went one, four, and one. Uh, the goals four was like 2.43, um, really struggling to to provide any sort of offense without, you know, kind of that, you know, more depth piece, if, if you want to call Ryan Nugent Hopkins that. So um, really indicates very strongly how much, you know, just two guys can't, can't get it done here. And, you know, that's been the case for, for Edmonton for a couple of years now um, that they have these two powerhouses guys in McDavid and Dreisaitl. And in order to get wins, they need uh, some guys around them. And so they are starting to get that. Ryan Nugent Hopkins played uh, on, uh, on Tuesday night, picked up an assist in that game, had four shots, plenty of power play time, like exactly what you want out of him. He's playing on the top line with McDavid and uh, Kyler Yamamoto. They're going to get Zach Hyman back tonight as well. He had missed the previous four games, or three games rather, while in the COVID protocol. So suddenly uh, a really thin forward group that was, you know, had two stars and a kind of a bunch of scrubs around them, for lack of a better term. Sorry, guys. Uh, Suddenly has um, some producers back in that can help this team. Now they look like they're probably not going to have Tyson Berry tonight. Uh, he missed Tuesday's game. This will be his third straight game without a, a you know, without uh, playing here. Though he has been stuck in a seven-game pointless streak of his own. Um, just really getting healthy is kind of the key here. Uh, I know Paul in the past. You know, we've we I say we I should say me. I've dogged on, on Mike Smith pretty good, but I don't think Miko Koskinen is the answer to not having Mike Smith. Uh, available. So getting Mike Smith back eventually at some point this season would certainly be a step in the right direction. Right now we have him projected for a mid-February return and hopefully from an Edmonton fan standpoint that's not too little too late. But they'll, you know what, they'll also have to address the goaltending issue going forward and I think the dots will be connected with the Toronto Maple Leafs at some point. They have a certain goalie who's not played too much this season, has a cap hit of $3.8 million that will probably not be a part of the Toronto scene next year. And if he performs well in the second half, I could see those dots connecting uh, at least in the off season, if not sooner. 
in Florida, partner, uh, Maxime Menon must think he's died and gone to heaven. He gets the plum assignment now <laughs> of, of moving up to right wing on the top line alongside Alexander Barkov, who's having another fantastic season. I think this guy is finally starting to get his due as one of the top pivots in hockey, and he's helped Carter Verhage since he arrived there, and Verhage now a fixture among the top six is completing that top line. Jonathan Huberto and Barkov used to be tied at the hip here, but early last season, these guys were split up, and it's really benefited the roster, and it's benefited other players too because they've pulled up their socks and, and contributed their share of, of offense as well. Sam Bennett, a, a trade acquisition from Calgary, has looked really good at center here ever since he came on. And the guy who's benefited as well is Anthony Duclair, a player to watch for the rest of the season. You know, on the verge of eclipsing his career highs already as a pro, and uh, that means that he should be a, a lock for something in the order of 60 to 65 points if he continues at this pace, and that would be an outstanding season for him and a great-looking top six when you consider that. But one guy who's not participated in all this is Owen Tippett, been a bad year for Tippett's. Uh, he's related to, to the coach of the Edmonton Oilers, of course, and uh, both of them having subpar seasons. Owen Tippett, formerly a first-round draft pick, now toiling on the fourth line here, and that's not good news for him. Well, we'll mention uh, with L.A. the big uh, milestone tonight as Drew Doughty is set to hit game 1,000 for the Kings tonight. He'll be the first player from that 2008 draft class to hit uh, hit a thousand games here, so uh, kudos to him. Obviously, uh, was taken second overall, right behind Steven Stamkos, who has dealt with um, some injury issues over the years, which have limited him uh, to not quite being right there. Um, but he'll, I'm sure, get there sooner rather than later. So kudos to Drew Doughty there, who continues to basically uh, turn back time. Twenty one points in twenty four games this year. Nine of those coming uh, with the man advantage and clearly the the key piece from a defensive side. This week, offense has been a little lacking. Um, one, one, and one is the record for this last week. They averaged just two goals per game over that stretch. And Alex Iofalo with three points kind of leading the way for them. I think the other you know thing to mention for the Kings tonight, they are going to get a big piece back. Andreas Athanasiu is set to play for the first time since December 14th. He's had an extended stint on the sidelines. That was his second uh, IR stint this year already. So injuries have really plagued him, has left him with just 11 games uh, have having played so far this year. Six points in those contests. I don't know that I would necessarily be sticking him in my DFS lineup tonight. Um, I, you know, I'm not totally expecting him to jump immediately back onto the score sheet here. Um, but somebody to watch if, you know, if he got dumped in, you know, maybe you don't have an IR spot in your season long league. Um, and he got dumped by somebody that didn't want to wait it out. If he's available, might be worth picking him up, um, just to, to see if he can kind of turn it on, uh, going forward. Minnesota is a team that's turned it on for a while, AJ. Offensively, they got all things going. They went 3-0 and last week. Cabo Kakinen, two wins and the five goals against in his uh, ledger for the seven days, last seven days. Uh, f- another Felino, Marcus Felino, makes the news with a four-point week. He's had a very nice year, probably the best one in his career to date, and uh, kind of factoring into the top 
nine forwards there on a regular basis, and, and they're chock full of talent up there where we used to talk about defensemen all the time. Now we talk all about their forwards. Kevin Fiala is one of those guys that has been a contributing forward for a while, chipped in with another four points last week. Ryan Hartman continues his career season, best season with two goals. Matt Zuccarello continues to show why I keep saying he's one of the better playmaking wingers with another five assist week. He also chipped in a goal. Kirill Kaprasov, their signature offensive piece. This guy's a, a skating highlight reel with five more points for himself. And Greenway picked up four assists as well. So that's a bunch of forward chipping in. But Alex Goligoski was a throwaway from Arizona that's finding his groove back on the defense in Minnesota. And is a couple of seasons removed from being one of the better point getters among blue liners. And he just adds to the wealth that they have back there with Jared Spurgeon and company. Spurgeon chipped in with four points as well. Uh, in terms of better news uh, as uh, around this club, Cam Talbot returned from a six-game absence with a lower body injury. And Jared Spurgeon has seven points in his last four games played, but that was interrupted by a seven-game stint uh, on the sidelines with a lower body hurt. So this team's strong, but they're getting healthier with the return of Talbot and Spurgeon. So uh, better watch out when you got these guys on your schedule. Well, one team you don't have to watch out for on your schedule is the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, uh, one and 2 this last week. Uh, a lot of this has to do, you know, I... I'll give them a little bit of uh, a pass here. A lot of it has to do with kind of just unfortunate injury and, and COVID-related issues. I mean, you look at the the infirmary ward here, you've got, uh, you know, obviously Shea Weber pretty much done for his career. Carey Price uh, hasn't played yet. Matthew Perot dealing with an injury. Joel Edmondson appeared to have kind of a setback with his back problem. Jonathan Druin, Brendan Gallagher, both out. You've got Cole Caulfield and Joel, uh, Joel Armia are actually here in Madison uh, skating because they couldn't cross the the uh, into Canada yet uh, due to due to COVID quarantine issues. So and they're they're practicing uh, here in Madison at at the UW here, and then of course Christian Dvorak suffers a concussion the other night and and now is not going to play tonight either. So I mean. Some of their problems have to do uh, with this, you know, just lack of a, a lineup here. I mean, you talk Dvorak, Druin, Paul Byron, Gallagher, Armia, like that's almost a top six on its own. Um, so it, it, at some point you have to give them a little bit of a break. Samuel Montembeau dealing with a wrist injury. So they've been using Caden Primo as, as the starring netminder here. Uh, he's winless in five games this season, but, you know, 22-year-old netminder being kind of thrown to the wolves. Uh, he faced Colorado and Minnesota in his last two games. Like, of, of course he got shelled, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, Minnesota could be better if they got healthy, but I don't think that's going to solve all their problems. Uh, I just don't see this as a playoff team, that's for sure. I needed to pause there while you were talking at the end, AJ. I'm getting all choked up with all this bad news about Montreal, so I needed a second <laughs> to regroup. The New Jersey Devils, a team that is turning a corner, I think. They were 1-2 and two last week, but uh, the youngsters are chipping in and developing. Jesper Bratt is having a career season. Uh, four goals added to his marks last week. Damon Severson is a guy that I got a lot of looks at when he was in the AHL, and he's proving that he's a serviceable offensive piece on the back end with the fact that they have been missing their linchpin back there for much of the season. 
Uh, Dougie Hamilton has not factored in regularly owing to health issues, but Severson has certainly done his part with four helpers to, to plug the gap here. Dougie Hamilton missing the last seven games with a jaw injury. He's back at practice, traveling with the team as well. So the news could be good in terms of the near future and his return. And uh, if Severson can continue to perform at this level, then the, the Devils have a really cornerstone on, on the, the continued upswing that is hoped for by their fan base. They have a new look among their top six at forward, too, that we can spend a moment on. Jimmy Vesey, who was a third and fourth liner the last couple of seasons, they jumped, bounced around the league a little bit, getting a look at the first-line left-wing position here alongside Nico Heischer. And Thomas Tatar, a guy who has found that New Jersey is not like Montreal, and uh, he didn't have to go there for me to tell him that, but it's not working out for him on the ice at all like it was in his time with Montreal and maybe a turn on the first line is the the tonic that will revive him a little bit. Igor Sharangovich and Jack Hughes, they've been carrying their load consistently for about the past year when they've been healthy. And Jesper Bratt is rounding out that group. So they got a better looking second line, if you will, than the first line that we got listed at Rotowire headquarters. But uh, hopefully the two young centers can drive things there. And uh, and uh, PK Subban is a guy that I expect, I expect to be moved at the trade deadline, AJ. It requires some team to eat up a little bit of, take a little bit of salary on if they want him in the lineup. But uh, he'll come cheap next year, I think, and, and it'll behoove him to play his best if he gets traded to a, a situation that uh, that is better than the one that he finds himself in New Jersey right now. In the Nets, uh, the two starting goalies at the beginning of the season, Blackwood and Bernier, are on the lineup right now. Blackwood is a guy that they've pinned their hopes on for the near the future, but he's had a recurrence of his heel injury. In the meantime, now the, the goalie role be front and center with John Gillies, a guy who was a formerly a high draft pick and has bounced around a little bit. And he's got a chance now to revive his career in New Jersey. Is there a guy this season who's more flying under the radar, at least as far as I I've noticed than you see Saros? Like <laughs> you're talking about, he leads the league in games played for net miners at 36 He's tied with Tristan Jari and Andre Vasilevsky for wins at 23. Like this is a, you know, the save percentage right on par with those guys, nine to six, um, which, you know, is right ahead of Vasilevsky tied with Jari. I mean, really only chair trails, Igor Shesterkin. And yet, despite all that, he actually comes in fourth on the uh, looking at, you know, futures odds for the Vesna trophy over at our friends on, on DraftKings comes in fourth at plus 1400. Like that seems like a decent bet to take a a flyer on here because he's, he's right there at the top of every category in, in the goaltending situation right now. If this guy plays, you know, 60 some games and racks up 40 wins, he at least should be uh, in the mix. So to get, you know, plus 1400 value seems like a really good spot to be in. Uh, he started all three of their games this past week uh, for, for Nashville, won them all, uh, getting some offensive support from guys like Matt Duchesne, who continues to have a rebound year. He had three goals and an assist. Luke Kunin with two goals, Forberg uh, with four points. Roman Yossi continues to just tick away helpers, three of them this last week for him as well. 
The New York Islanders' AJ uh, Ilya Sorokin has got two wins and three goals against last week and one shutout as well. He's come as good as advertised. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him before he landed in North America, and he's really looked uh, every bit the part as a top goalie prospect and the guy that will probably hold the bulk of the responsibility here for the foreseeable future. Brock Nelson uh, is a guy, they count on this guy to be a regular scorer. He was quiet in the first half, but I think he's starting to get in gear. And we saw a four-point week out of him. And with him and Barzal both finding their groove, both having slow starts, the future of this this team is bright. If if these guys can continue to do their part, it's so key in in this NHL that you have to have your scoring line centers producing. And these guys didn't at the start of the year. They are right now. And it's making a difference in the way the Islanders look. Uh, they, they're also waiting for Kyle Palmieri to come back in the lineup. This guy's been nursing a lower body injury for several weeks, and he's been practicing for a couple as well, but he's still not ready to play. They're not really saying what's up with, with that, but there has to be a Spocky and I turned in his direction when he's been practicing for a while and, and yet not making that next step. Ryan Pollock, though, is a guy who was ready to exit COVID protocol, and they can't wait to get their, their top defenseman in, back in the lineup, you should see that very soon, I think. And uh, in terms of disappointments here, though, there are a couple. And one, uh, they are line mates on the third line here. When you consider J.G. Peugeot has disappointed in a third line with only 11 points. They, he signed for big bucks when he came here. And uh, the thought was he would do what he did in Ottawa before that. And really, this year, it hasn't been the case. And you can say ditto for, for Parise, his left winger, who has only 12 points in his 35 games played to date. You expect more from both of these guys than what they're delivering. And you can only imagine the fortunes of this club. If the centers can stay healthy and perform and these third line pick up their act, the Islanders will once again be a tough out in this league. Another team that's going to be a real tough out is the other New York club, and that's the Rangers 2-1 and one this last week, uh, led by Chris Kreider, who becomes the first player in the league uh, this year to reach the 30 goal mark. And hey, let's continue with long shot uh, bets over on the DK Sportsbook, Paul, that uh, that makes some sense here. Chris Kreider plus a thousand to lead the league in goals. I mean, he is right now and we're halfway through the season. So, I'll, I, I mean, I would take that that value there as well. Um, obviously, the favorite probably always is going to be Alexander Ovechkin. Austin Matthews, not far behind. Drysidle, Nick David rounding out the top four before we get to Kreider. So um, I, I certainly would take that. And some of that comes from this last week. He had five goals in uh, in those three games with uh, four of them uh, coming or three of them rather coming with the man advantage. And the guy feeding all those pucks to him is Mika Zibinijad, Artemi, uh, Artemi Panarin as well. Both of them picked up four helpers this last week and also added a goal for a total of five points. So they're getting a ton of offense right now. I already talked about the fact that Shesterkin uh, is right there in the mix at the top for, for Vesna candidates. They're relatively healthy right now. They, they don't have Capo Caco, but, you know, to be honest, he hasn't really been doing a whole lot uh, the last couple of games. You know, he's goalless in his last 12. So offensively, I don't think they're really missing him. Philip Cheadle. Another guy who's out um, has been a little bit more productive as late. He had four points in his last seven games before getting hurt. So really, uh, I would call these almost minor pieces right now um, that are that are 
kind of affecting their lineup. And as long as they've got, you know, that top line of Criders, Abinajad, and Panarin rolling with, with how good Shesterkin's been, and then obviously Adam Fox on the back line, this team is not going to be easy for anybody to get by and, and should at least. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough metro that, that they're in. Um, they're leading it right now. Um, that, that, you know, is going to face challenges from Carolina, from Washington, from Pittsburgh, uh, but they should at least be in the mix here as, as a playoff team. In Ottawa, they are a ways away from being a playoff team, but they're building in the right direction, AJ, and it's because of a lot of youngsters. We mentioned Drake Batherson and his unfortunate injury. He's, he was having an all-star campaign, had two goals and one helper last week, but will be missing for the next couple. And the better news, Matt Murray is back in the lineup. He's played five, in five games and allowed 14 goals against since returning to the roster in the beginning of January. So those are encouraging early returns for a guy that's on the club for a big ticket. So it's nice to see him starting to kind of earn that money a little bit. And they'll need him to do so if they hope to continue that upward tra- trajectory. Uh, they have some issues with injuries on the right wing with with Batherson out and Connor Brown out with a jaw injury. He's already missed six games and his return is scheduled for mid-February. That affords a couple of guys a chance to look good on the right wing on a scoring line role. And the opportunity right now is with Tyler Ennis. He had uh, a nice run last week with four points, including three goals. And Zach Sanford, who has moved up and down this roster just as he did in St. Louis. He, these are the two scoring line right wingers for the time being, and they'll get a pretty good run. So keep an eye on their production going forward. Tim Stutzleif's experiment at center is going well. He's got five points in his last five games played. And young Alex Formanton is another y- youngster that's making the grade as a top six forward. Picked up four points last week. So they've got a lot of pieces there that they're integrating into this lineup. And it's good to see some positive offensive early returns here. There's not a whole lot of positive returns going on in Philadelphia. A 13-game winless stretch. That means they have yet to win a game in 2022. The last victory came against Seattle in December of uh, December 29th. So uh, a tough start to the new year for, for the Flyers. And kind of two things going on here. Um, as far as Claude Giroux, their, their kind of signature player, goes, on one hand, you're hearing trade rumors, and I think that's tied to the fact of, of where his contract situation is. Um, you know, obviously, any player that's heading into the fi- you know in the last year of a deal is going to be tied to a potential move. But then their GM just came out um, yesterday and said that they have started discussing a new contract. Uh, whether that comes to anything or if he gets traded, we'll have to. Wait and see, but obviously uh, things not going right if they're in a position to even being, dis- you know, even discussing the possibility of trading Claude Giroux. Uh, and, and really, you know, that there's blame to go around everywhere in terms of guys not producing. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, James Van Riemsdyk has been in top six roles for them. He's got one assist this last week. Um you know, they, they've got injuries that are a factor as well when you consider, you know, Sean Couturier is not going to potentially going to miss the rest of the year. They're, they're waiting to see on that. Ryan Ellis is likely done for the year as well. They're both kind of in the same boat. Broussard's been out. Uh, Kevin Hayes has been out. So they're, they're trying to get by with what they have and a couple guys that should maybe be stepping up where they haven't been. Um, and then, you know, the goaltending situation has been, um, disappointing as well. And, and you know what, I don't even really want to put 
much of the blame on Carter Hart. I know it's not like me to spare uh, a flyer for, for something, but you know, you look at his goals allowed in his last six games, it's 2.67. Like you'd think he'd pick up a win over that stretch, right? Like maybe they could have put some offense against Buffalo or, uh, you know, Columbus to drop to Columbus two to one, like that, that's not on Carter Hart by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that injuries have put them in this spot. I don't know when their next win might come. You know, you look ahead, Kings, Jets. I mean, Detroit, they've got two games against Detroit in February after the all-star break. Maybe they could pick up one of those, but it's, it's not going to get any better for the Flyers anytime soon. All right, partner, we reached that point where we're going to have you uh, wait with braided breath till you get the chance to talk about your Penguins. And we're going to take a break from running through all these teams and uh, come back to our listeners. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ, and we'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, we're back. And uh, before we go go further, let's uh, have a reminder for a way to reach out to our listeners. AJ, uh, remind our folks how you get in touch with you and me. Yeah, we always love to encourage everybody to reach out to us on, on social media so that we can, you know, uh, interact with you, whether it be uh, questions about your teams. You know, you, if you want to talk soccer, we'll talk soccer with you as well. We've obviously got Olympic hockey coming up on, on top of, uh, you know, NHL hockey. So we are always available to talk about a wide variety of topics. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24. That's AJ S C H O L Z 24. And you can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman 22. I'll spell it for you just in case S T A T S M A N 22. Um, we would, also, you know, if we get any really good questions, happy to share those uh, and discuss them on, on one of our future shows as well. Great. Well, AJ, I'm going to briefly talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. You can fill in the blanks that I'm sure I will omit. They're currently on a six-game winning streak. Uh, Tristan Jerry led all goalies with four wins left in a busy schedule last week, allowing a total of nine goals against. The firm of Crosby and Malkin is reunited, and this team is flying in formation behind them, and all kinds of good news to report. Over to you, pal. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the bad news to report uh, there. Um, Teddy Bluger suffered a broken jaw, and I cannot for the life of me figure out why this play wasn't penalized. Brendan Dillon basically checks his face into the boards, uh, resulting in that broken jaw. Um, I, I don't understand. He left his skates. If you watch a replay uh, – you know, or left the ice rather. Um, I, I have no idea what the league looked at on that and said, ah, that's not a penalty or that's not a suspension. Like I have no clue. Um, so I've obviously been, been pretty frustrated by that lately. You know, Tay Bluger is not, you know, the top of our lineup, but really helps with the depth gave the penguins like a fourth, you know, third, fourth line. That's really hard to compete with. Fortunately, Brian Boyle, is available and has has stepped in. So um, been pretty frustrated by that. And then obviously the the big news that came out yesterday, Jeff Carter signs a new two-year $6.25 million contract extension with the Penguins. Uh, I think this is a great deal for for a guy uh, who really has come in and and done really well with the Penguins. You're talking about 37 points in uh, in 50 games uh, wearing wearing that penguin jersey 
That's really solid production. It's not too far off. And, you know, look, the contract that he is coming off of was a huge, huge contract um, signed, you know, back back in the days when you could dole out those big ones. It was an 11-year, $58 million contract. So he's actually taking uh, about a million and a half, uh, about a $2 million uh, reduction in salary. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, a good value for a guy that has been phenomenal with the Penguins right now. Obviously, you never know when Father Time might step in and, and slow things down. But clearly, the move to Pittsburgh has been good for Jeff Carter. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy to have him back for, for two more years. Well, let me interject for a second and say I think it's a bit of an overpay, AJ, based on the birth certificate. I agree with you. The guy's done everything and more uh, since he arrived there. But uh, it could be a Patrick Marlowe kind of a deal for me, uh, the way Marlowe started with Maple Leafs and then just went MIA in the latter part of that deal. That could be the situation, and that's a, a lot of money to hide if that becomes the case. Certainly, I don't wish him uh, anything but the continued success. Uh, he deserves it. He's been a great pro for a long time. And like you said, he's been thriving in Pittsburgh. So I'm a little bit more skeptical than you, and uh, time will only tell uh, which of us winds up being correct there. So it'll be food for fodder on the upcoming years of the podcast, and I'll look forward to being a part of that. I hope uh, you do too. And uh, I, mean, that- I look I look forward for you to be wrong, Paul, and, and <laughs> that, that you were wrong about your take on that. And Jeff Carter has been a great addition for the Penguins at this point. I'll lead us in then. And talk about the Seattle Kraken. Two and two, the record uh, last week. Philip Grubauer taking three of those games. Uh, they are going to get Chris Dreger back. Uh, he will be uh, off the COVID protocols and ready to back up. Uh, I don't expect him to really be in a huge position to, to factor in in the starting mix. Just because his numbers have not been great this year. Especially his last five outings before ending up uh, in that COVID protocol, went 0-4-0, 3.31 goals against average. So I think they're going to ride Philip Grubauer pretty uh, pretty heavy here in terms of the work share going forward. Obviously, uh, some concerns on the blue line with Jamie Alexiak and Carson Salci picking up injuries. Um, but overall, you know, this team just – unlike Vegas in their first year, I just think this team is not quite deep enough to really compete. You know, Ryan Donato, Alex Wenberg, Jonas Donskoy is the third line. That's maybe a, a light third line. Um, Kelly Yarncrock, Yanni Gord, and Mason Appleton is definitely wouldn't be, I don't think, a second line on a lot of teams, at least a lot of the good teams in the league. So they're just not deep enough, in my opinion, which – um, I think it's fair to have expected this year, and I'm not surprised that they're um, struggling. I didn't think they would be in the bottom of the Pacific. I will say that. I, I thought that they had enough pieces here to maybe compete a little bit more. A lot of that has to do with Grubauer, who is coming off that Vesna Trophy nomination, uh, has uh, absolutely not played to that level this year. Um, so you you obviously would need to see more there. But, I, you know, I, I'm not – not shocked that they're that they're not you know winning, but I also again didn't expect them to be at the bottom of the Pacific either. In San Jose, this club went one and two last week. Aiden Hill is now listed as day to day with a lower body injury. That means that James Reimer gets the primary goalie road load to himself for a little bit. Uh, in terms of more negative news and more serious negative news, Eric Carlson was having a bit of a revitalization of his career. 
this year after a couple of down seasons. He's now sidelined until mid-March with a forearm surgery that took place uh, recently. And uh, so that's a tough blow for their defense, and it'll be reconfigured a little bit. Radim Simak moves into the top four role here as a defense first role player against uh, alongside Mark Edward Vlasic, similarly cast. So uh, Brent Burns is the guy that's going to carry the mail here offensively, just as he has for much of his career. But he's without his top uh, teammate in that regard, and that will weaken this team significantly, I do think. Noah Greger is a player to watch on the on the top six among forwards here. They've reconfigured things, and he will get to play alongside Thomas Hurdle. And uh, Hurdle, for his part, you might look at it on the surface and listen to this comment saying he's had six points in his last seven games played, but the fact is those six points came in two games. He was blank in the other five. And similarly, Logan Couture has only one point, one goal and two helpers in that same span. Look, just as I said earlier with a couple other teams, New Jersey being one, the Sanders have to drive the offense in a lot of cases. And these guys have done it much of their careers. They're not doing it right now. And any success that San Jose has to hope for going forward has to revolve around these guys getting their act together and being more consistent as the veterans that we know them to be. In St. Louis, the news is uh, between the pipes here as Vili Husso, you know, for all intents and purposes right now, Paul, looks like he's taken over the number one job. He dealt with a, an injury in, in mid, uh, early December, suffered an, uh, an injury, spent, you know, a, a number of games on the sideline, nine games on the shelf. Since then, he's started, uh, you know, five of, of six games for them. And the one game he didn't start was in a back-to-back, and they had to bring him in in relief of Jordan Bennington, who had given up six goals at that point. Uh, I believe it was six, possibly seven. But um, they, yeah, they just Bennington has has not looked good. Yeah, it was seven goals allowed on thirty-five shots in two periods for Bennington in the most recent outing. Um, and you have to wonder: is is Huso gonna? going to steal this job from him. It certainly looks like it right now. He had started three straight. Then they decide to give him a night off because it's a back-to-back. He comes in anyway. They're going to use him tonight as well um, and and really has outplayed Jordan Bennington at this point since returning from injury uh, and will try and stake his claim very similar to the way that Jordan Bennington did uh, with Jake Allen when Bennington first kind of broke in uh, to the league and and had an outstanding second half to the season based on when, you know, the timeline of when he came into the league, stole the job away from Jake Allen. And now it seems like it's happening to him as well. Well, and you can say that COVID is the wild card here too, because before COVID he was doing okay. Bennington was, but since his return, like you said, things have not been the same. The goals against is now bloated significantly. And, and, uh, otherworldly for what the rest of his career has looked like. Huso, for his part, is doing this at the right time in his career. He's on an entry-level contract that expires at the end of the season, and there will be a lot of people clamoring for his services, even though he's an RFA, that uh, this should be an he's a, I'm sorry, he's a UFA, AJ. So St. Louis already has Bennington on the books for the next several years at $6 million a year, and uh, Huso will be a free agent uh, coming off a seven fifty hit uh, that will rise significantly if this guy continues the run that he's on that you pointed out quite rightly. So a future for him looks bright. In Tampa, this is a team that is a two-time defending champ. We talked about all the offensive stars here. And of late, though, there's been some troubling news in the injury front. 
uh, Eric Zernak with a lower body hurt and Jan Ruta with an undisclosed injury, that means that a couple, two, a third of their defensive component, uh, the three pairings, is now on the sidelines, and that's tough news for them. Corey Perry was getting a run as a top line winger. He's back to a third line role here now. Russ Colton. Uh, with three goals pacing the offense. You don't see that every week. And Mikhail Sergachev outpointing uh, Victor Hedman is good news once in a while, too. Hedman has had an outstanding season, but they want to see Sergachev take the next step. And really, he's he's had a quietly effective year, uh, but uh, certainly his captain's grabbing all the headlines among the defensemen there. Then with the rejigging of the forward units, they have also have, to, have suffered a blow with Nikita Kucherov being diagnosed with COVID. So their wing position looks different on the right side. Anthony Sorelli made the switch over from center earlier this year, and he's he's been a very good defensive uh, conscience in the top six so that Braden Point and, and Palat can do their thing on the, to- on the top line. But Matthew Joseph is pressed into duty with Kucherov being a sideline and Sorelli moving up to the top line. Joseph now gets a second-line scoring role, and he's not cast well for that role here, too. So you be- see a bit of a weakening of the, of the offensive core of the Lightning, which we're not used to talking about, but it bears watching going forward. So uh, see how they manage with Kucherov out of the lineup and see if they, they can get through with the two of their top six defensemen on the sidelines part. I'll run through the the numbers real quick for Toronto. 2-0 this last week. Mitch Marner on a four-game goal streak. Uh, Morgan Riley with a goal and two assists. Uh, Willie Nylander, same goal and two assists. And that's kind of the basic stats for the last week. Paul, I'll let you run through the why, how, and uh, where it's going. Well, the top news here with this club is they've rejigged their format um, of the forward lines. They've uh, got Willie Nealer playing on one line, Marner and Tavares on uh, a second, and Austin Matthews on a third unit. Matthews is being flanked by a couple of guys who are uh, were surprise, uh, surprising contributors to the top six. They've exceeded my expectation. I'm talking about Michael Bunting and Andre Kasha. Bunting, for his part, is among the top rookie scorers. He's not a a nine, 18 or 19-year-old. He's been bouncing around the NHL for a little bit, but he's really thrived on Matt Matthews' wing, and he gets his nose dirty. This is one of those guys you love to have on your team but is a real pest to play against. And Andre Kasha has found a way to stay healthy, which was his bugaboo over the last couple of seasons in Boston before that in Anaheim. He's had a very nice year in Toronto, although he has missed a few games. It's, he's put together a pretty nice season here. Both of these guys really worth the bargain basement salary that they were signed to. And you can say ditto for Ilya Mikhaev, who returned to this roster finally after missing the first half season. And he's been on a, on a tear since uh, since then. And uh, he's in for a nice new payday as well. He probably won't do it in Toronto, I don't think, because I don't know how they fit in a salary increase with him, as well as uh, Jack Campbell in the Nets, who's had an outstanding campaign. Other news in the Nets, Peter Morazic is ready to take a regular turn, and I'd like to see it be a regular turn to boost his value around the league and also the least fortunes because I don't want them to have, drag a tired Jack Campbell into the postseason. This could be a real good situation for the Leafs that they have two rested goalies, two experienced goalies to uh, count on when the serious shooting starts. So I'm feeling pretty good about things in Toronto particularly if Jake Muzzin comes back from the concussion protocol that he's in right now. And Timothy Lilligren, his injury is not deemed too serious. Then we can have a look at the six healthy Leafs defensemen that I expected to be a part of this situation, finally getting a run as we get into the second half of the year. 
Up next, we'll talk about the Vancouver Canucks who made some headlines off the ice by hiring uh, a European scout, Swedish-born, and a female assistant general manager this week. The names of these people are not as important as the story behind them, folks. They're experienced people who have made the grade and kind of are forcing the NHL, at least in one of the 32 teams, to look beyond the old boys' network. And that is great news for any aspiring person who's really putting in the time and effort to make their way into the league. There finally looks like there's a crack in the door, and uh, certainly Vancouver. Uh, you got to give Jim Rutherford all the credit in the world for making this opportunity and uh, and directing traffic in this way. I can't wait to see the returns for this club. They've got a lot of talent on the ice, and uh, we'll talk about that for a second now too. Elias Pettersson is a guy that his, uh, his season has not been up to par with the earlier season in his career. He's only got 22 points in 42 games played, but I like what he's doing lately, and so he's showing signs of being the star caliber guy that these guys the, in Calgary need to drive the bus here. Five points in his last five games, and uh, he's doing it from a different position, though. He's playing wing alongside JT Miller, who I think gets a lot of credit for uh, surviving the the doldrums that this team has gone through and finding a place for himself to be a signature player on this team. And another guy that's kind of floundered early on, but finding his way at Brock Besser. So that's the new look on the top line. And unfortunately, Bo Horvat is not in the mix offensively here. He's dealing with the COVID protocol. So he's another guy that was like Miller kind of carrying the flag here, but uh, he'll be sidelined for a little bit. So that opens the door for a couple of guys to take a run at a scoring line center position. And so it'll be a battle between Jason Dickinson and Yuho Lamico to see who can be that second line guy for at least the next week or so. My money's on Dickinson for the time being. Nels Hoglander will be on his left side, but a player to watch. I think he's miscast in this role, but we'll see what he returns. And that's Alex Chason, who's been more of a bottom six guy here. I'd rather see Matthew Highmore getting the role than, than Chason, but uh, who knows? Maybe they're going for his physicality in this, uh, that situation. On defense, uh, I think they have to be disappointed with the uh, the role that Oliver ekman Larson has played here. We used to talk about him as one of the top-scoring defensemen in the league, AJ, and this year it just hasn't materialized. He's got only seven points in 39 games played. That's a massive disappointment for a guy who still should be in the prime of his career at age 30, and I'm so glad that my favorite club didn't take a run at him was he, when he was available last season as well. He was a name that was rumored and linked to Toronto, at least locally, and so I'm glad that that Matt, uh, Kyle Dubas turned away from that possibility, given the returns that we're seeing here. For uh, for Vegas, a, a really solid week, 2-0-1, uh, and they, uh, you know, on the back of, of Robin Leonard, two wins over that, including a shutout performance. Shea Theodore with uh, three, uh, three helpers plus a goal over that stretch led the scoring uh, in those three games for, for all players. Willie Carlson, a goal and an assist. So not a, not a ton of offense, but when you've got Robin Leonard uh, pigeon shutouts, you don't really need uh, a lot of scoring right now. Some of that comes from the fact that they still are without Max Pacioretty, who's been sidelined since uh, since December. Alec Martinez is still out and, and has been since November. It, it does seem like those guys are getting close to being back. Uh, and then obviously they're anxiously awaiting the return of Jack Eichel. So uh, I, I think this team's going to rely on the net mining for, for a little while here. 
just because uh, they are missing some some crucial pieces in in terms of offensive uh, production. And and you know a guy like Evgeny Dadnov, who I would like to see more out of, just one assist in those last last three games. Uh, so you would hope to get some more production out of him. Mark Stone is just one game back, um, so I'll give him a, a little bit of a break. Obviously, uh, no points in in that return from from COVID protocols. He was doing pretty well before that happened. Been in and out of the lineup due to injuries and, and other issues, but when he does play. Mark Stone's been really productive. So give him another game and, and maybe the offense can start getting going. But obviously, um, you know, Pacioretty w- would be a key piece to, to get back for them to, to move forward, at least on the offensive side of the puck. But fortunately, like I said, they haven't really needed it with Robin Leonard playing uh, some solid goaltending of late. AJ, we were talking about 32 teams and at least once during the season, all of them go into a bit of a, a slump. And that seems to be what's happening in Washington. This past week, they went only one and three. This despite the fact that they have their one-two punch back at center. And if Genny Kuznetsov and Nick Backstrom, it looks like they flipped again. Last week, we said Backstrom was the center for Ovechkin. But the lineups that you and, and your buddies at Rotowire headquarters have put together show Kuznetsov with that plum assignment, along with Tom Wilson riding shotgun as he has with Ovechkin for much of this season. The key opportunity that I see is Daniel Sprung on the second line with Nicholas Backstrom, one of the best playmaking centers in the league, should be something that Sprung looks forward to in this opportunity. Connor Sheary is a guy that's played top six minutes here before and in Pittsburgh in a prior stop. So more of the focus for me will be to see what Daniel Sprung can come up with. And Lars Eller uh, deserves some recognition for being a guy that supported uh, the vacancies and filled in the vacancies rather when both of these pivots were missing earlier in the year. So they have a really nice depth at center and now it's intact and looking like it should have been at, uh, at the best of times. And hopefully they can keep it this way going forward on the blue line. They've had a serviceable year out of Dmitry Orlov in support of John Carlson as two offensive pieces uh, from the back end. And that's pretty standard around the league, but, Carlson has quieted it down a little bit offensively uh, from the pace that he set last year. Still one of the top defensemen in the league, but now, now we're not talking about him as much in the same breath as some of the guys that are current contenders for that uh, Norris Trophy. In the Nets, Vitek Vanasek is healthy. Ilya Sanchona has not been. And so the hope is that they can get uh, a, a good run out of both of these youngsters the rest of the way and they can stay healthy to bring some more uh, some soundness and some backbone to this team and maybe have them find their way because maybe they're pressing offensively because there have been some issues in the nets. And uh, now that they're straightened away offensively, we'll see if we see the best of the caps going forward. Well, for our last club, as we go through the breakdown here, we'll talk about the Winnipeg Jets winless in their five straight. And, and look, uh, if there's a guy in this league who would ever get close to like playing 70 games uh, which I really don't think will ever happen again, but it's got to be Connor Hellybuck. Like he, he has played in 26 of the team's last 28 games and is going to start again tonight. That'll be 13 in a row for him. Uh, the, the obvious downside is that all those losses that I talked about, those five straight losses are all on him. Uh, he gave up three or more goals in, in four of those contests. You know, it, the offense hasn't been great. Uh, either so he's not getting a a ton of support you know you look during that stretch three goals was the most that that his team scored he had three two 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 and three again so um, 
you know, you want more from the offense here as, as part of it. Kyle Connor continues to roll two goals and one assist in, in this last week. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois had two goals, um, but not getting enough out, out of some of the rest of the lineup here. So, um, but yeah, look for Connor Hellybuck. You know, if he can get some wins put together here, uh, he'll definitely be in the mix for most games played at the end of the season. And AJ, now we turn our attention to the DFS portion of our program where you bring us your best lineup in DraftKings and I do the same on FanDuel. Tonight, for me, I lean on a couple of lopsided matchups that I see on paper and I'm going to be doing a couple of stacks in my lineup. I'll save the details for a bit, but I wonder what your strategy is ahead of tonight's slate of games. Well, my my kind of main strategy here is to to look at the... uh look at the the New York Rangers and and they have a really good matchup tonight going up against uh, uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets here. So I think they're in a really good spot um, to maybe get some, some serious production out of them. And so I, I really like, you know, kind of the, the top top half of, of their, their line here. And so I'm going to go with center Mika Zabinijad 7,500, uh, he was on an eight-game point streak until their most recent contest. I think he'll get back rolling again. And he's just been feeding the puck to Chris Kreider, who, uh, as I mentioned, is on a five-game goal streak right now. 6300 for Kreider, which is really cheap when you consider what he's done production lately. Um, pairing those two guys, uh, you obviously have to save a little money. So my other center option is Sam Steele. And now this is a high-risk play. Um, there's There's no doubt about it. Uh, Steele was on a 27-game goal drought, but finally got on the scoreboard last night against Toronto, picked up an assist as well. So I think a matchup with Montreal is probably the best thing for him right now um, after kind of struggling to get going. But he's kind of, you know, he had those, that two-point night, and I think this could be another good night for him. Do I think he's going to, you know, be a consistent scorer every single night? Probably not. Um, but you pick and choose your spot. So at 2,500, yeah, you know, he could absolutely throw up a zero on DraftKings tonight, but he could also get another goal. And and if he's rolling, I think uh, it's a good opportunity to use him. So I mentioned that Chris Kreider kicks off my wingers. I'm going to stick with Matthew Tichuk for, for Calgary as another option, 6,200 for him. I used Tichuk, uh, Last night, the Flames beat uh, beat Columbus 6-0. Obviously, a little bit more concerned. The only reason I'm not stacking Calgary tonight is because they're going to use Vili Husso. Um, so I, I have a little bit of a concern there. But Tuchuk has just been so good lately. Um, basically unstoppable, averaging about two points uh, per game. Actually, it might be more at this point. Um over yeah, he's got 22 points in his last 11 contests, so two points a game. Nine of those are goals. Um, so I like him. 6200 again is a good spot to be in. It's not too high, not too low. Uh, and then my third option here is going to be a, a bit of a toss away, sort of. Um, Cole Perfetti, 3300. The Winnipeg Jets have a really good matchup tonight going up against Vancouver, who's had some goalie uh, issues with Demko and uh, Halak having been in the COVID protocol. So they're going to roll with Spencer Martin tonight. Uh, He's looked okay. He faced 50 shots from Edmonton on Tuesday, gave up three of them, 
um, and, and got the overtime loss. So it's not like he's been bad, but obviously this is, you know, a pretty much untested NHL level goalie. So Perfetti's on the, the top line with Dubois. So I'll take a risk at, at 3,300 and grab him. Uh, for my utility spot, I'm going to use a guy in a similar position. And I'm going to look at Edmonton. Again, the, the matchup with Nashville is not great, but I spent a lot of money at other spots, so I needed to save up here. Kyler Yamamoto comes in at 2,700. Gets to play with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins tonight. Again, I mentioned that this offense is much better when Hyman and Nugent Hopkins are, are in to support that main cast. So Yamamoto playing with two of probably their three best players, and it's a good spot at 2,700. Again, it, both Yamamoto and Perfetti are certainly not cash game plays. I, I probably wouldn't use them in a cash lineup. Um, but for a GPP, if you can get them to catch, I think it's a good spot. Defensively, I did spend up here starting with Adam Fox for the Rangers, 6,400. Uh, it's just too good of a, a place for, for the Rangers tonight, too good of a matchup. Uh, and then I'm going to use... Tony D'Angelo, Paul, you highlighted uh, how good he's been of late. He's on a five-game point streak right now. 6100 is his price tag. Now, originally, I was uh, hoping to use Igor Shesterkin between the pipes. I might still consider Alexander Georgiev, but I'm not as confident in him. So for now, I'm going to pivot and use Tristan Jari, uh, 7900 for the Penguins going up against Seattle. They're playing at home. That's a good matchup. Uh, I, I still like the fact that the Rangers are playing Columbus and Columbus is really struggling, um, but I have significantly less faith in Georgiev than I would if Igor Shesterkin was between the pipes. Well, I'm I'm so pleased to hear you at least pick Jari in the Nets as a contingency player because I was con- getting concerned there that we have a game night with featuring the Penguins against a lesser team and you wouldn't have any of them in the lineup. I was shocked with, <laughs> uh, with that development. But you know what? There is Pittsburgh representation in my roster and that's one of the stacks that i'm using tonight so in a bit of a turn i'm the guy that's going to talk up the pens in terms of the dfs play tonight and i'm going to begin with Evgeny malkin at center aj for sixty eight hundred dollars on on fanduel i'm curious to know maybe you can look it up while while you're on the DraftKings site if you get a chance but sixty eight hundred dollars for a guy who's better than a point per game player since he returned to this squad and the team is on fire i mentioned on the DraftKings show Reluctantly, I had to say that this is the hottest team in hockey right now, and I'm surprised you didn't go there as well. But they've been fantastic for the past six weeks and uh, maybe even beyond that. But uh, Evgeny Malkin now in the fold and uh, looking for, for more performance out of him. And uh, so $6,800 committed there. I pair him with the most expensive guy in my lineup, and that's Sebastian Ajo. So I've got a really nice one-two punch in center. Ajo gets a very nice matchup against Ottawa in the Canadian nation's capital, if they can get by all those trucks that are on their way there. <laughs> and then uh, I round out my squad with a, a four pack of wingers that I'm pretty confident in. Toivo Terabane and I, I've always liked this guy in DFS play. Whenever I get a chance to pair him with Ajo, I do it. And so tonight they're going to be line mates and uh, Terabane comes in for $6,600. And uh, I will round out the, that line with Seth Jarvis, who as a guy that I covered in, in the earlier part of this broadcast is a rookie who's starting to make waves and really fitting in on that top unit. He's only $4,900, so that's one line. Then the other line I've got is the Penguins line around Evgeny Malkin. It looks to me like Danton Hyman gets the role for $4,900 on one wing and Kasperi Kapanen for $5,000 on the other. So two 
cheap line st stacks, I'll say cheaper than I thought they would be, and I managed to fit them all in. On defense, I'm going to go with Jacob Slavin. I said this guy has uh, had another nice season on the back end in Carolina. They score a ton of goals, and I think he'll be in, in on a, uh, some of the scoring plays this evening in Ottawa. And I round out the squad. I have to go elsewhere for somebody. I pick Mikhail Sergachev, who who's on a nice run in Tampa of late, outscoring, as I said, all defensemen, including the guy named Hedman, over there over the last couple of weeks. And for $5,100, I'll plug him in as my wild card on this roster. And then in the nets, I'm also making a bit of a leap here, hoping that Jonathan Quick can continue his run of play over the past couple of weeks. He's had seven starts, six of them have been quality efforts, and uh, much of the season he's been uh, well under the three goals against Mark. It's just hovering around two and a half per game. The Islanders struggle to get two and a half goals per game. They're the opposition tonight, and so uh, Quick is my pick for $7,300. That rounds out my squad. Uh, that I'll put into action this evening. AJ, uh, I'm surprised you didn't go with the Penguins. I thought that uh, against Pittsburgh, that would be an interesting thing for you to, to pick away at. Yeah, I, I, I thought about it. I obviously, you know, uh, wanted to uh, build my lineup for when we were doing our DraftKings show earlier today. And so I've been talking the Penguins a lot lately, so I want to give another look. And I do really like the Rangers matchup, so I am going to stick with that for now. Now, Paul, uh, I, you asked me to look it up. Evgeny Malkin, about 100 bucks cheaper on DraftKings, 6700 uh, 6, is, is his price tag, so not too outrageous. And I do have a follow-up question for you. It's actually going to be Cal Patterson between the pipes tonight for the Kings. Are you going to stick with Patterson, or does uh, his presence in the lineup sway you to maybe go with a guy like uh, maybe Connor Hellubuck is right in that price range? Um, you could go crazy and go with John Gillies up against Tampa. If you really want to go contrarian pick, what's uh, what's the play there, you think? I think I'm going to go with a veteran then. And that bit of news, I'm going to go with Connor Hellybuck in the Nets to round up my squad. So thank you very much for revealing that. And uh, I'll make that pick and plug him in right away. And AJ, with that, that brings us to the end of our show. And uh, another deep dive into all 32 teams but at least we had a full slate of games to talk about this past week so the point totals were significant across the board and plenty to talk about in terms of people with new roles and new opportunities that we always think is the best value that we give our listeners on this show on a weekly basis yeah i think uh you know the one thing that uh, i covered edmonton for so i forgot to mention this is it sounds like uh by next week we will have, uh, you know, probably even later today or tomorrow, we'll have to talk about Evander Kane being a member of the Edmonton Oilers. Everything seems to be pointing in that direction that Kane uh, isn't going to face any sort of suspension from the NHL for uh, some travel COVID violation stuff in the AHL and that he is going to sign with Edmonton within the next, uh, you know, next couple of hours, next day or two here. So, um, we'll, we'll have to talk about that more in depth uh, next week. Well, that's big headline news, and thanks for at least uh, teasing it. Uh, we'll, we'll dive in if it gets more conclusive between now and next week for sure. So uh, with that, we uh, tie up another a bow on the Statsman and AJ podcast, a podcast for our Rotowire listeners and fans everywhere. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, in the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. And we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Mm -hmm.